Hello, welcome to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Here you will find cutting-edge information provided by the best experts in the world so you can learn how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Bruno da Gama is the Brazilian Health Nut in a mission to solve the problems you have when trying to lose weight forever. He is a nutritional therapy practitioner, a certified personal trainer, and a holistic lifestyle coach by the Czech Institute. Don't forget to say hello and sign up to our free newsletter at www.brazilianhealthnet.com. Let's go. All right. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Neman. I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk to you today. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about your story? Like, well, how did you come from Little Damon to be, being a producer, director, and an actor in this uh, new documentary? Uh, how did it happen? Um, well, really, I guess uh, I've been an actor for about 10 years and, and really didn't have much interest in food or nutrition, really. I, I didn't take much care of my body. I was probably a typical male um, in his early 20s and stuff, just felt quite invincible and, you know, smoking a pack of cigarettes a day and drinking coke and drinking a lot of alcohol and um, <laughs> thinking that uh, that would be fine and that I'd last forever. And then uh, in my late 20s, I was lucky enough, uh, I think this often happens with men, that just in the nick of time, they meet a really good woman and that woman kind of um, almost saves them from the brink of self-destruction and For me, uh, when I met my girlfriend, uh, she, I knew straight away when I met her that um, you know, she was a pretty special person. She was very healthy. She lived a very clean lifestyle. And I kind of knew that if I was going to sort of uh, have a shot at, at staying with her, that I'd have to change some of my habits. And I guess really in an impress, a bid to impress her and try and um, make the relationship work, I mm. started eating healthy. And I'd never done that before in my life. And Uh, it was pretty difficult in the first couple of weeks. Things tasted pretty bland, but because I was yeah. um, in love and trying to impress her, I, I pretended to really enjoy them. Um, but then I, I just noticed that I started feeling completely different, um, mainly in my moods um, throughout the day. I just felt more consistent. I wasn't getting that kind of mid-afternoon slump. Uh, I started losing a bit of weight, but more than that, I guess I just kind of regained some vitality. I guess I was clearer in my thinking, my eyes were brighter, people started commenting on how different my skin looked. In fact, how yeah. different I looked yeah. in general. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. I, I, I really had no idea just how powerful food could be in the way that it affects you. Yeah. So that's so true. That, yeah, that that's really how it started and I didn't think much of it. And for the next few years I just um as our relationship grew I you know, just got used to that way of living and, and really enjoyed it and, and just cut out all those things that I'd, you know, uh, consumed so much of growing up. Yeah, that's so true. Even with myself, I've always been healthy. But when I started learning everything that I know nowadays, you know, regarding food and lifestyle as a general, I just started feeling better in overall, like energy, like you said, the mental clarity. I lose weight whenever I want. It's super easy nowadays to, to have control over my health and so yeah it's 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 crazy the power of uh, nutrition and lifestyle as a general so i think too there's so much discussion around about you know i think you know probably for the last 30 years we've put this real emphasis on weight you know and and being healthy is being 
um, skinny and whatnot. But I think you know we're starting to shift and realize that if you if you're striving purely for weight loss, then you kind of rule out a host of other benefits that happen. And I think more and more if people can aim for wellness or that vitality, then quite often the weight will um, happen just by by the fact that you're you're giving that a go. And I I think that's what's important is that you mm. can you know this is about just as much about um, mental clarity and your moods and how you feel as a person as it is um, with how much weight you've got on. And I think people are starting to understand that that. You know, food is, it's not just calories. We've kind of pushed this message that it's all about calories for so yeah. long. And it's a, it's a very simple and it's almost ludicrous to, to look at food as just calories. As you probably know, it's, yeah, yeah. Food, food is far more than that. It's Can, you, yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about this uh, this conception? I see all the time, you know, people talking about this calories in, calories out. It's just about exercising more and eating less to, to be healthy. You know, can you... Expand a little more on, the, on that topic. Well, I think we need to understand that that has been a, a dogma that really suits the food industry because if it is just about calories in and calories out, then it actually deflects any responsibility from the food industry. They say, if you get fat and sick, it's not our fault. You must have not counted calories properly, so too bad, um, you're the victim. And I think that's starting to change and the science is now backing that up. But as I alluded to, the food isn't just calories, it's information. And some foods make you feel a certain way, some foods are more addictive than others and other foods trap fat and they're, they're instrumental in fat storage in your body. So um, as I discovered in the film, if you're having you know, 150 calories from a can of soft drink compared to 150 calories in a salad, for example, they're going to do fundamentally different things in your body. And we know now that the calories from sugar, especially fructose, the one half of sugar, has a very unique metabolic pathway in the body and that it turns to fat in our liver very quickly. Mm -hmm. Now, the best example of this is the fact that 35 years ago, we didn't even have a name for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. It was so rare. It now affects 1 billion people worldwide. So that just in 35 years, it's grown to this epidemic proportion. And as what happened with me in the film, once your liver turns to fat, it then pumps that fat out into the bloodstream and this can cause complications for type 2 diabetes, uh, for heart disease risks, and it's that visceral fat that gathers on the inside of your body, which is often not apparent to the outside. And you know some of the damning stats now say that even 40% of skinny teenagers in America yeah. um, are metabolically unhealthy. So it's not just about weight. This is about what's happening on the inside of us. And I, I guess the most telling Example of that is that you know obesity rates around the world are growing at 1% a year, but type 2 diabetes is growing at 4% a year. So if it was just all about calories and you only got type 2 diabetes because you're obese, then those two percentages would match. But as we discovered in the film, as science has increasingly started starting to work out, that you can still be very unhealthy even though you're skinny. So it's about yeah. what's actually happening to your internal organs. Yeah, this reminds me of the story on the documentary, the, the, the kid called Larry. He was super, super skinny and he was super young. However, his, uh, his health in terms of dental health was completely gone. So yeah. that's the, what happens in terms of it's not just about obesity and weight. Of course, that's a huge issue, but it's much more. It's much more than that. Well, that's right. And there was a pretty important study only done this week, actually, one of the first of its kind where they took a lot of obese children and they kept the same amount of calories. And they were still giving them kind of junk food, but they replaced the sugar from the calories with other starches. So, you know, the same match, uh, they didn't lose any weight, but all their metabolic symptoms changed and improved. Their lipid risk factors, their fatty liver, everything improved just by removing the sugar 
um, from their diets. Mm -hmm. So you improved your health uh, because of your girlfriend pretty much on the beginning. And why did you decide to do the movie? Did you wake, wake up one day and like, okay, I want to do a movie about sugar? How did it happen? Uh, no, I think, um, look, I, I sort of had this desire to, I was uh, pretty unhappy in, in sort of my career. I was enjoying, I mean, I was, I was working regularly as an actor, but it wasn't really satisfying me. I, I had this, always had this desire to want to do something more than that and tell my own story, but I just pretty much didn't have the confidence to do it. I, I was a bit scared about putting myself out there. And then I entered a short film competition here in Australia. It's kind of a quite a well-known competition here. And, and I put a film in there that won. And it was really sort of the, the impetus I needed to sort of say, look, you know, keep making more things. Um, people obviously resonated with the, the tone and the style of which I made the film. So I, I guess I was approached by a production company and said, look, do you want to make a feature film? And at the time, I was just aware that there was a lot of, this is about four years ago, and there was some press starting to emerge about sugar. It was certainly becoming a bit more common in the mainstream. But again, it was very uh, divided, the opinions. Some people were calling it, you know, poisonous and toxic, and other people were saying, you know, it was essential for energy. So yeah. I kind of thought, gee, it's pretty confusing for people. Um, I was confused by it, but I also had a hunch that there was something in it because I'd experienced that, that with my girlfriend. I'd noticed the difference to my, my own body. So I kind of thought, well, you know, this could be a really interesting story to tell. And because it's sugar, it lends itself to such a great cinema mm -hmm. uh, aesthetic and tone of bright colors and this kind of Willy Wonka playfulness that you could bring to it. And you could really tell the story of sugar in a fun way, especially for kids. So that's kind of how it started mm -hmm. and I just read a few books and talked to some scientists and they all sort of said, look, there's something in this, it's very real, it hasn't hit the mainstream yet but it's not a fad, um, the science is very strong about this and it's only going to get stronger. So that's yeah. really how it all began. And um, How long do you, do you take to the, from, from the beginning, from when you, when you decide to do the movie until now, the, the launch this year, how long did the whole thing take? It's been, it was four years. So Four uh, years, wow. Yeah, and I guess the, the first thing we, we did was to do that experiment on my body just because we didn't know whether I'd get any effects or not. And I mean, there's a chance that, you know, the sugar wouldn't do anything to my body and then we wouldn't have a movie. So we kind of started very low budget and, and, and did the experiment first. And, and as soon as we started seeing, you know, the dramatic changes to my body, it was kind of like, right, this, this film needs to go to another level now and we need to find a way to really share it with the world so that we can get the message out there. And that's, I guess, when we started applying for more funding and obviously reaching out to people like Hugh Jackman and Stephen Fry and really trying to give it a very big commercial feel because I think, you know, quite often films like this don't get seen by people because yeah. they don't watch documentaries or it gets lost online. And I was just very, very determined to, so, you know, to really get this out to the public that don't watch these films. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm very proud of the fact that of how far it has reached now with, you know, with, a, with the highest grossing documentary. Yeah. Congratulations, man. It's awesome. I love the, the documentary. It's very entertaining and educational at the same time. I hope people in Brazil can see that. <laughs> and yeah, I, I saw you everywhere, but I don't know how he's in Brazil yet. I think, uh, yeah, I think there's a discussion at the moment. There's definitely a translation, a Spanish translation being done at the moment. And um, the film is, you know, it's playing in Germany now and Netherlands. And there's so many different translations of it that, um, yeah, there's been a big call for it in uh, South America as well. Which, cool. As you know, um, is going yeah, it's, through its, it's own huge. crisis. Yeah. Cool. So uh, how do you decide, I mean, on the experiment, you decide to have 40 teaspoons of sugar a day, right? That was the amount. Why do you have this, the, the, this number? 
in mind. Because uh, uh, sadly, uh, that's what most Australians are having every day, which is um, pretty shocking, really. Um, I think it's important to remember that uh, the, the, that, that 40 teaspoons includes all the added sugar that the World Health Organization recommends. So it's not just white table sugar. Right, right. Uh, honey, agave, maple syrup, fruit juice concentrate, even fruit juice now. So even a glass of fruit juice is considered an added sugar because it is removed from the fruit. And when you're having it in the fruit, it's fantastic. It's got the fiber there that it protects and it slows down the metabolism in your body so we can deal with it very well. But the minute you extract that and have it just as a juice, then again, this is where you start getting the problems around your liver. And, you know, a lot of these juicing diets that people do, you know, of course you might lose weight on the outside, but it's just very important to understand that, again, what we are talking about before, what's happening on the inside, the, the area that you might not be able to see, um, this kind of excess fructose can be doing its damage on the inside. Yeah, and, and there was a lot of focus on, on hidden sugar, right? Like like you said before, coming from juice, cereals, and low-fat yogurt. And those are things that people uh, like consider like being health and realize, oh, there is a lot of sugar. If you just go and read the ingredient list and check it out the label, you'd see like, oh, my God, this, is, <laughs> this can't be healthy. So uh, how, how did you go through like choosing uh, what to eat and mainly focus on the, the hidden sugar, right? Well, I guess um, that I think we all know, we all understand that, you know, if we have too many Coca-Colas and chocolate bars and donuts, we, we kind yeah. of already know that they're treats and, and, you know, if we're going to have those all the time, it's, it's not going to do us any favors. But I was walking down the supermarket aisle just, and it was a time when I was thinking about the narrative and how to tell the story and I just picked up a can of tomato soup and I looked at the back and, and did the maths on the label and realized that it had eight teaspoons of sugar in it and I thought... I don't think many people would know that, you know, a can of tomato soup has as much sugar in it as a can of Coke. You know, it's, it's not something we think of as having sugar in it. It's a sort of it's a savory thing that you have at dinner time. So I guess I thought, I wonder if I could get to the 40 teaspoons a day that most Australians are having without actually having any junk food like, you know, chocolate or ice cream or soft drink. I thought that would be a really interesting story to tell if I did get sick. So you know, the fact that my body completely fell apart and I got all the, the symptoms and diseases that we're seeing more and more uh, prevalent in society now by not touching any junk food, I think that's probably why the film has resonated as strongly as it, as it has. Yeah, it reminds me of the scene uh, when you're going on the supermarket and like 80% of the food has some added sugar. So it's kind of like hard to, to, to find something healthy. So you got to go around and that's why I talk to people in terms of changing the environment of yourself, of, uh, where you live, of course, and, but also where you shop, because if you're just going on the places where there is no option, it's going to be hard. So, right. right, what do you think about this um, in process of choosing a food, where to go, how, how we can help pe people better navigate? Well, look, I think we're, you know, we're at the start of a very, very important conversation that we're going to have over the next 20 years. And like with tobacco, you know, we were having these chats about cigarettes 40 years ago and look how far we've come. I think it's the same now. We're starting to wake up and realize and see through all the marketing messages and the powerful sort of media that's been pushing these types of foods. And people are starting to sort of uh, empower themselves with knowledge and Really, our basic you know, message is just to try and eat real food as much as you can because when you do that, your body knows how to deal with it. I mean, we are, we are part of nature. We forget that. So if you eat foods that are of the natural world, then 
your body knows how to handle them. You release the right appetite controls that tell you when you're full. Your hormones won't be knocked out of balance, so you'll be able to sort of burn fat at the right time and store it when you need to. But we've just strayed so far from the path and we're just having so much processed food that it's just kind of, um, I guess it's, re- it's affecting our system and it's not being as efficient as it can be. And that's really the simplicity of this message. It's not about you know, dieting or going on trying these shakes and doing all these different things. It's just about tr- shopping the perimeter of the, of the supermarket as much, much as you can, eating real fruits and vegetables, snacking on nuts, have a piece of cheese if you want it, and just try and cut down those refined carbohydrates, which you know, to me are the white breads and the white pastas and the sugar and all those things that are, have to go through quite a big process um, you know, and often stripped of their fiber and their nutrients. We're just eating too much of that stuff and it's just about trying to wake people up to get back um, to a different way of eating. And I think it's important to remember too that there's actually no biological requirement for our, in our body for added sugar. We, we get all the sugar we need from fruits and vegetables and other sources. We don't actually need added sugar. It, it can be a treat, sure, every now and again, no problem, but we've just got it backwards. At the yeah. We're having more sugar than we should be and if we could just get down to kind of six teaspoons a day, which is what the World Health Organization recommends for optimal health, we're going to see massive changes um, yeah. to, to, to the health of the population. And, you know, it's just about being aware. Let's, we're having 30 a day. Let's get down to six. Yeah. What's your take in starch, man? Because there is a lot of people who still say, oh, potatoes with potatoes and all the, the starchy foods are going to be converted into sugar. So we should also eliminate those. Uh, do you think, is this... Is it real or you think, no, we still can add some starch in our diet and be healthy? I think, you know, it's, it's hard to sort of make a blanket statement for everyone. I think it's, it's the context of where you're at. If you're metabolically unhealthy and you're very overweight, absolutely, I'd say remove those for the time being. You know, avoid right. breads, and, breads and passes and whatnot. Give your, that chance for that insulin to stay down and let your body actually burn off fat. I mean, as we know, it's very hard to burn off fat when insulin's in your body because it's dealing with all the glucose. And we've kind of been told through these pyramid systems and whatnot around the world that, you know, to eat all these all this bread and pasta and everything and make that the staple of your diet. Now, sure, if you're active and, and quite healthy, you can have little bits of that. And if you, if you, um, you know, do exercise, you're going to be perfectly fine. But unfortunately, we've just got to a point where we've had far too much. And, and look, I spoke to someone about this. We nearly put it in the film. And She was the first person to ever come up with the American food pyramid and she took a year and looked at all the studies and had eight nutritionists working with it and came back and sort of recommended to the USDA that we have no more than one sandwich a day, um, maybe a bit more if you're an active male, but for women especially, no more than one sandwich a day. Well, you know, uh, basically the USDA said that's not going to work because there's not enough money in this for us. We need to please, you know, the Department of Agriculture. So what became sort of, you know, one to two serves a day turned to seven to 11 serves a day. So as a result, we've just kind of, you know, any cafe around the world is just croissants and breads and wraps and bagels. And yeah, definitely. And just, you know. Yeah, yeah those, those are crazy. Those are very refined flours. It's, it's quick. It's quick burn. It's just as sugar the same way. And unfortunately, that's the base of the pyramid. It's crazy how this, this can be the, the base of the... The and I, yeah. think, I don't know if you saw it, but even yesterday in, in the Lancet here in, in London, they had, um, you know, it was a it was a, a, a meta-analysis study of 53 long-term studies over the last since the 1960s, and it involved 68,000 people. And they said categorically there is no evidence to support a low-fat diet in terms of weight loss. So, you know, we're really going through this shift at the moment of of realizing that we 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 got it very wrong, 
Um, as a result, we've got a very overweight and sick population, but I think enough people now are waking up to it, the power of social media, people like yourself that are doing chat shows. There's so many people out there now spreading the message, and people are getting results. It's not like yeah. you know they're trying it for themselves, and then they're actually emailing or sharing it with friends and saying, you've got to do this because it's changed my whole life, and so someone else tries it, and then it works for them, and then they share it. And I think that's what's great. It's, it's this revolution that's going on with food at the moment is going to happen very quickly because of social media. It's just, it's very hard to control the messages. The food industry are, are limited now. Like they don't have just four TV channels that they can pump their message out or a few newspapers. You know, anyone can access this material and take uh, and learn the knowledge for themselves self and then share it. And that's what's happening. And, you know, it's a very exciting time, I think, in that, in that sense because people are noticing the difference. And as a result, we're probably going to see the benefits to our leaders and our kids in the future because they're going to be sharper-minded, they're going to be fit and healthy. And I dream of that one day because you look at our politicians now, they're all, most of them are very overweight and unhealthy and they're the ones making the decisions. Mm-hmm. And I, I look forward to having really healthy leaders, yes. uh, especially like the ministers of health. I don't know about in your country but in Australia, they're just they're not fit people and you want your minister of health to be to be a shining example oh yeah brazil the same man <laughs> the same way it's crazy every time i go back i observe people all the time so i'm in the airplane or in the airport when i get home and just looking to people and i see not just obesity of course there is a lot of overweight people but energy you know you're looking to the the eyes and the energy that there is something lacking you know it's it's unfortunately most people are like this nowadays. Yeah, and people. I mean, people say that about the film, and they see the film too. That they, it's not only the physical symptoms, but people often say to me, "Gee, your your eyes by the end are really dead. You know, the the, the life and the spark is completely gone." And sadly, that's what most of the population look like now. There's a there's just there's not a vitality and a vibrancy to them anymore. There's a heaviness, and, and they're weighed down and. You know, of course, there's a host of factors that contribute to that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that food plays a major role in that. Yeah, that reminds me also of your mood swings. And that's something that I I felt back in the days, like five years ago, when I didn't know anything about nutrition. I Like I told you before, I never had problems with weight itself, but my mood swing was very, like, all the time changing, right? So sometimes I'll be, like, when I get hungry, I'll be super angry all the time. So it was like the mood swings was very very much uh, changing all the time and once you once I change my diet and start seeing the results I'm always like now stable I have energy from the time when I wake up to the time when I go to bed it's very stable uh, talk a little bit about your, your mood swings and the movie was I, I thought it was funny well look I, I personally think that's the most important um, discussion point out of the whole film because you know there is this emphasis on on these diseases and obesity and whatnot but I think, you know, what's it doing to us as a, as a culture, as a collective, where, you know, there's a term now called reactive hyperglycemia that it says that when you're having these refined foods, your insulin clears that, that glucose out of the bloodstream very quickly and so quickly that your brain almost panics and thinks that it doesn't have a fuel source. So it releases these chemicals called epinephrine and norepinephrine and um, cortisol. And these are all um, I guess chemicals that can make you feel jittery and nervous and anxious or irritable. There's a fight or flight response. And if you think about how many people live their lives like that without even knowing it, if they're having these kind of high sugar breakfast to start the day and then they're having another bagel at lunch, I mean, there's this kind of constant roller coaster throughout the day, and especially when it comes to children. I mean, really, you know, for these poor teachers, they write to me all the time. They're the ones that have to deal with the, with the kids when they've had a high sugar breakfast and then the, the parents drop them off. and 
you know, they can't sit still and they're completely irritable and, and restless in class because they're not having these sort of protein, healthy fats, slow-releasing foods that actually sustain the energy and make you feel more consistent throughout the day. So I really hope that there's more research into this over the next few years. I mean, there seems to be already. There was a, a study recently in The Lancet that said we need to acknowledge the link between food and mental behavior is just as important as food and physical symptoms. So we're going to see that start to come out a bit, and especially with the kids. I just think we've got to get our handle on that because at the moment it's just um, it's not fair to them. We need them to, you know, we want them to be sharp and, and, and to lead us in the future and have really brilliant minds that are capable of learning and really focusing and making good decisions. But yeah. That happens when you're eating bad food. Yeah, that's so true. Especially kids cannot make the decisions on their own yet, so it's, uh, it's, it's something that we have to look up for them. Uh, going back to sugar, uh, I have this question for you. Do you think... Is sugar the only devil here or you should be looking at something else as well? Oh, look, I don't think, no, I mean, certainly not. I, I think there's a, there's a host of other factors. I think it'd be too simple to just point the finger at sugar. I mean, and some people do. There are more scientists now sort of that do believe it's the major driver, but I certainly think, you know, it's maybe metabolically it's, it's certainly doing some damage around the fatty liver and the type 2 diabetes, but I think, you know, uh, you know in terms of obesity and putting on weight, Yes, of course, that's where calories can come into play. Combination of, you know, sugar and fat, glucose and fat that you're eating. If, you know, if you're having lots of white bread with cheese on it and whatnot, you're, you're trapping that fat in your body. So, you know, it's not as simple enough just to say that, that sugar is solely to blame, but I certainly think it's a major player, especially on the internal health. But, you know, there's no doubt that these kind of top, you know, the, 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 some of the oils we're cooking in now, I don't think are helping us at all in terms of these vegetable oils, these hydrogenated, highly processed oils. Again, they're so inflammatory to our body and, and they're causing all sorts of problems. Whereas if we go back to old foods, more and more studies are now starting to show that, hey, maybe saturated fat isn't as bad as we thought it was. A little bit of you know, fat on a healthy bit of meat is not going to do that much damage. Um, some coconut oil to cook with some butter, that's not going to be a major um, factor because it's not as, as oxidizing as some of these artificial oils. So they're more protective in a way of your cells. So I think that's an area that's really interesting as well moving forward. And, you know, the research now around even the fact the role that our gut bacteria plays in our gut health, I mean, I think that's a fascinating yeah. area. It's this kind of microbiome that really, you know, you can be predisposed to having these kind of conditions like obesity and whatnot right from birth because of the, the state of your gut health. And I think, again, that's a really fascinating topic. But Like all this, it just gets solved once you're eating high-fiber foods and real fruits and vegetables again. That's what the good bacteria feeds off. But if you're constantly giving it junk food, then that's going to only promote the back bacteria, bad bacteria. So once again, it all comes back to the same point again, which is just simply to eat real food. Yeah. What is it thinking sugar being ad addictive? I hear this all the time too, you know, sugar is more addictive than cocaine. And there is all these stories and studies being done with rats about the... Yeah. How addictive sugar is! Well, you can tell um, because you 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 had to go through this experiment and you were having a lot of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think um, I think again, it's important not to make blanket statements because it's like alcohol. You know, some people can just have a drink or two and be fine, whereas other people, you know, it's a slippery slope and bang, suddenly they're they're really heavy drinkers and yes. so tobacco. Mm -hmm. Some people can have the odd cigarette and be fine. Other people need a pack a day. So, I think what's important is that there is no doubt. Absolutely no doubt that for some people, sugar is incredibly addictive. And it all comes down to the size of what's called an opioid receptor in your brain. And some people have different shaped ones, which means they have a different tolerance for how much sugar they can have. And, you know, I did a bit of research for the film and spent some time at um, Overeater Anonymous groups. And 
literally every discussion in those rooms is about sugar, you know, and people just really craving it and needing it. Uh, like you said, those studies recently came out that said that sugar for some people is eight times more addictive than cocaine. Yeah, that's true for some people, um, but it's not for everyone. But the problem is that people that don't have the sugar addiction just cannot get their heads around it being addictive. So they often dismiss those people and just call it all a load of nonsense and rubbish. And I think that's really unfair because we just have to accept that we're all different and some people are vulnerable to it. So we need to cater to those people, you know. And it's yeah, like, definitely. I've had those people. It's, it's easier. Like if you want to buy cigarettes, you've got to go to a special shop, go behind the counter and actually buy your cigarettes. Whereas, you know, with food, it's very different. You go into any deli or corner store or supermarket and there is just candy wrappers and donuts everywhere, the side of buses on billboards. So those people that are vulnerable to it, gee, it makes it very tough in the current food environment. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, with myself, I I don't eat sugar. It's it's rare for me. But if I start eating, it's kind of I cannot stop until I finish the the box of whatever I'm eating. Right. Yeah, so man. you have yeah. to know yourself. And so I, I know if I start it, I'm gonna finish everything. So I better don't even start it. <laughs> and that's that's what's tricky, even with our message, is that we often say to people, you know, try and aim for the the six teaspoons a day for the World Health Organization, but. I couldn't even do that. If I, if I had six a day, you know, I'm like you, I'll demolish a whole block of chocolate. So for me, it's just smarter to stay away from it. You know, I don't miss yeah. it. I get used to it. I still enjoy fruit. I use fruit as a sweetener. I'm okay with it. But if I have any refined sugar and whatnot, it just, you know, I feel it the next day and I want more the next day. So, you know, not everyone's like that, as I said, but I think there are people out there that can relate and definitely I would recommend for them to sort of stay right away from it. Mm-hmm. Correct. Ancient keys, man. What does it come to your mind when you hear this name? <laughs> um, uh, the first thing is probably just um, flawed science. I think um, the problem was that you know uh, even himself has admitted now that you know that the fact that this this one study, this single study, had such a pr profound impact on the health of us that you know. And really, uh, if you look at the real study, you know he only handpicked seven countries to get his results, whereas there was actually studies done in 22 countries. And if you put all those 22 um, in together into the mix, you get a very different outcome of the study. So I think it's unfortunate because, you know, it's almost become dogma. And, you know, whenever dogma is based on one study, there, there should be some concern. But I think that, again, is starting to change now. I think even Ansel Keys himself, um, you know, even admitted later in life that, that he'd like to redo it and, and it probably wasn't as accurate as everyone thought it was. So, you know, again, it just takes a long time for a culture to shift a very strong-held belief. We've got dietitians all around the world that have been taught this stuff. We've got doctors that have been taught this stuff. And, you know, they're going to be reluctant to change that message because a lot of them have been telling this to their patients for years. And, you know, we even found that doing the, the screening of the film. Quite often I've done, you know, about 91 different Q&As around the world for it now. And some people get very emotional and very angry. Some get upset and, and cry in the room. Uh, even some doctors very, very angry because, you know, they, they were told something different and they've been prescribing something different for 50, 60 years. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that's tough to hear sometimes um, because you were only doing what you were told. But I think to move forward quickly, we need to kind of accept at a, at a government level and a science level, the dietitian level, that things are changing and this new science is telling us something different and we need to start uh, implementing that for the, for the sake of the health of our kids. Yeah, we have to be more open-minded to what's coming out of the new research and also looking back into the history. If you just look back at what we used to eat and you'd realize, you know, it's not that difficult to just eat real food. 
That's right. There's a great uh, one of those kind of Facebook posts that goes around, and it says um, organic, what your grandparents used to call food. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, exercise. I remember watching the documentary. You didn't change your exercise routine, right? No, that's right. But you you felt differently, though, of course, because what you're eating, you, the exercise was uh, was affected by that. The energy. Uh, how, what was like your perception in terms of the difference between doing exercise when you used to be quotation healthy, like you know, in your regular diet, and when you started the experiment? Oh, it was certainly hard, and my motivation for it completely changed. I felt it very hard to to actually get up and get active again because that's that thing we were talking about before. The vitality changes. You you lose your sort of desire to to get up and get active. So it was very hard to actually pull myself and to keep um, to the rules. But I think this whole exercise thing is really interesting because again, this is a, a very powerful device by the food industry. We've seen Coca Cola recently be be you know caught out funding scientists and creating lobby groups to say, look, stop worrying about what we're eating. We just need to focus on more exercise, get more active. We just need to get kids running more and then they can eat what they like and they'll be fine. And look, this is just absolute rubbish as we know. This, yeah. is, this is kind of constantly being disproved. Uh, in fact, I just got approached recently by um, some guys that run the CrossFit organization in the US, which is you know a huge worldwide movement. They have the CrossFit gyms and he's actually taking on Coca-Cola because of these claims at the moment. And His argument is, look, you know, he's trained hundreds of thousands of people and he's seen with himself that you cannot outrun a bad diet. You can exercise all you like, but if you're still eating junk food, you, you, you can't run it off, you know, and I think we just need to get our heads around the fact that it isn't all about, you know, eat what you like and then burn it off. Nutrition is now playing the pivotal role in terms of your health. That's not to say exercise isn't important. You know, it's fantastic for a host, host of reasons and people should be doing it, but if, it, if they're using it as, a, as primarily as a weight loss tool, Then yeah, that's just, that's just madness, you know. And we often see those, you know, those reality shows where you know they they take a lot of overweight people and they kind of treat them like army boot camp. Oh yeah, and they sweat and they run. This re this reminds me. I was talking to a friend and she she got married a year and a half ago and she put it like 20 pounds I think. And then I was like, and she was like, oh, I need to go to exercise, man. I just you know I, I gained like 20 pounds. I was like, oh really? Why do you think it's because you're not exercising? I know it's just like questioning her, but a lot of people have this still this mentality is super super prevalent in our society. You know about I just I just need to get into the diet and eat less and go back to to the gym. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And look, I think that's sad because what that also says is you know that um, you know I think some of those reality shows the stats of of people putting the weight back on as soon as the show is over because they have to, they don't really change their eating habits too much, so they often put the weight back on and. You know, I just think life's too short. I, you know, I don't begrudge people that exercise, but I don't want to spend th two, two hours of every day of my life in a, in a gym or running on the road. I want to do other things. I want to hang with my family and sort of live life. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't mean you have to just stop eating and, and be, you know, very diligent. You just have to eat smarter. That's all it is. And you start to learn the beautiful flavors of foods you probably didn't realize because you've had sugar all your life and, and that your palate's been affected by that. And you think things are only good when they're sweet. But then once you sort of, step away from sugar for a while, you start to notice the subtle flavors of, of natural foods again and that's just a fantastic moment because you're actually not um, missing out on anything. You're actually gaining a whole new way of life and vitality and health and I think that's really important. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and people often say that with the film. They go, God, I can't believe it. I've just cut out sugar and I haven't done any exercise and I've already lost five kilos in the first two weeks. And 
I think that's a real shock to people. Um, and again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be exercising, but I think people need to stop just thinking it's about exercise and eat what you like. How about you just sort of exercise less and be smarter with your eating, and then you can have the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. How long did your experiment uh, last? How long was the... It was 60 days. 60 days. So after, so when you stop having, after the 60 days, how long did it take to, for you to go back to normal, like your yep. prior stage? Well, that was probably the big shock of the film. We were going to initially finish the film once I got my results. That was going to be the end of the movie. And then uh, I started editing the film. I had to write the book. And I was quite sedentary. You know, I really didn't do any exercise because I was too busy. But all I did was cut out the sugar again. And just in 60 days, so another you know, 60 days after I finished, all my fatty liver disease, type 2 diabetes, health disease risks, and 90% of the weight had all reversed just from going back to drinking water and eating real fruits and vegetables again and cutting out those processed foods. So, you know, we ended up putting that back in the film as a real kind of takeaway message for people to show just how powerful food can be and you can actually start to mend yourself. Now, obviously, some people that are more obese or or more metabolically sick, it might take a bit longer than that, but it shows that you, this is what, this is what food does and we have the ability to turn things around very, very quickly just by making smarter choices about what we eat. Yeah. Is that your, the biggest lesson from you from doing all that about the food? Yeah, I, I'd say so and that's probably what's really motivated us to do, you know, we've done lots of school kits now and action kits and trying to get it into the curriculum in Australia and England and America is, you know, this is the message we've got to get to children, we've got to get them to understand how powerful food is, how it can affect your mind and your body and even your emotions, like we've just got to drill that into them because I think, you know, this, we're competing with so many marketing messages, we've got, you know, Beyonce selling Pepsi, we've got sports stars that selling Gatorade and, you know, uh, McDonald's and, you know, we're up against this mighty machine that's trying to hijack these kids' minds. But the kids are smart, you know, they're onto it. And, and the ones that see the film, they write to me, you know, I get so many letters every day or, or emails from kids that, that just, they love it and they understand and they want to be strong and healthy and they want to grow up well and they also want to look good for their Instagram pictures. So it's it's kind of, um, you know, we've just got to get that message to them because I think we've we've let them down. Uh, our generations really failed them. I mean, the fact that we've got childhood obesity rates as skyrocketing as they are, kids with fatty liver disease and type 2 diabetes, I mean, that's unforgivable. That That is a failing on us to educate them and pass on wisdom so that they have better lives than us. And so I guess that's been a real motivation for me was to, you know, we've got to turn that around. Mm-hmm. So if you're in charge of doing like a plan for solve the problem of obesity in Australia, in Brazil, everywhere, how would you start to do this? Um, we, of course, sugar is going to be one of the topics we have to, but how we started doing that, you know, besides making a movie? Well, I think, um, you know, I think it is happening. I mean, we've, it's been incredible the support we've had from even, you know, parliamentary screening. I'm in the UK now to do, we did a parliamentary screening here a few weeks ago. Um, New Zealand did a screening and then they removed all sugary drinks from their hospitals. I mean, it, there is a change starting to happen. I think it, it's two-pronged. I think it's, at one level... We need to be smarter with our labelling. Uh, we've started um, just developed a system that goes on the packets, which is a very clear teaspoon labelling um, for people, so they know straight away how much sugar is in the food. They don't have to turn it around and do the maths and try and read, 
you know, these ambiguous labels that are deliberately made tough to read, they get a very clear message on the front of the packet. Hey, this has got, you know, six teaspoons of added sugar. This has got one teaspoon. That's one aspect. We need the government to also regulate the labeling so that things with all this sugar in them can't be marketed as healthy. You can't, you know, just put a picture of a flower and a bee and a sunset and, and say nature's bounty on it and people think it's healthy when it's actually full of sugar. We need the government to step in and help there. And look, there is discussion of a tax at the moment and, I, and it's, it's a tricky one. I'm not a big fan of, of any particular tax, but I think if we use it in the right way and we try and reverse the system, because if, if we were going to move to another planet now and, and start the health system and start, how would we, you know, talk about food? I would say, the cheapest things need to be the healthiest things like fruits and vegetables and whatnot and you make the sugary things a treat and, and if mm. you want that treat, you've got to pay more for it. But at the moment, it's completely around the wrong way. So perhaps down the track of tax can help that in the sense that saying, right, let's tax all these sugary foods but as long as that money goes directly into subsidizing fresh fruits and vegetables so they become cheaper for lower socioeconomic areas, for hospitals, for schools, uh, for children, so that they can actually be cheaper than the sugary things. That, for me, would be the dream. I think we will get there. It's just going to take a, 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 a bit of time because there's so much industry involvement that, unfortunately, are uh, stopping the decisions being made quickly by the government. They take so much of their money from the food industry. Uh, the sugar industry is the biggest donator to, you know, to Congress campaign coffers in America. Um, that's the problem we've got at the moment. It's all very intertwined. There's lots of people making lots of money off, off the food industry, and so it's going to take a while mm -hmm. for the, for the people, people's voice to be heard. Cool, yeah. So people are motivated now. They listen to, to you talking about all of that. And what one thing you think they should do right now, one action step that, towards their, to improving their health, losing weight, you know, getting better? Well, I think the, the best thing to do is kind of empower yourself with the knowledge and, and wake up to, you know, really understand what foods you're putting in your body, in your mouth. And it's not hard to do now. There's so many different ways to get educated. We often tell people that, you know, the first thing to do with sugar is when you read a nutrition label, when you turn it around, know that one teaspoon of sugar equals four grams. So if you see on a, you know, on a uh, say a soft drink, it says 20 grams of sugar, divide that by four and you get five. So you know that there's five teaspoons of sugar in that packet. And then you think, well, you know, would I have five teaspoons in my cup of tea? Probably not. So why am I going to have it in this juice bottle? Why am I going to give it to my kids? And once you start doing that and you start noticing where sugar is, most people kind of, it completely blows their mind because they just start noticing how much they're eating. And they're going, God, I'm having 45 teaspoons a day eating just these healthy foods. And then I might have a piece of cake or something at the end of the day. And you can start to see just why you're eating so much sugar. And, you know, it's, it's tricky for some people at the start, but once you sort of, you know, you change your thinking around it, you know, as you would have experienced. Before you know it, you know, you're feeling very different. And so you don't want to stop because you're noticing the benefits. Cool. Yeah, looking for the hidden sugar. That's a very good one. And so what's next for you now that you have your, your movie? It's, it's going super well. What's the next project? Uh, the next project, I think, it's, got, it's just going to have nothing to do with food. I, um, <laughs> I, uh, look, it's tricky. Because you got sick from, from food? <laughs> no, it's, it's tricky because there's so many things that are, um, you know, so many great things that have happened because of the film. And, you know, we have got a lot of programs running for the school and, I'm actually in London now to meet up with Jamie Oliver and his people and talk about putting it into the UK schools. And so all that stuff's still going to go on and, and that's not going to stop in a hurry. I, I feel very proud with what we've achieved and very excited about what we can still do moving forward because, again, you know, it's a very, we're at the beginning of this conversation. But by the same time, I'm really excited. I learned so much making the film and I'm very excited to make 
the next film, and, and I'm just exploring a couple of topics at the moment, um, you know, because I guess I, I, I've seen firsthand what film can do and how it can impact people's lives and, and, and affect policy and, and whatnot, and I, that really excites me. So I'm, I've got a couple of good ideas uh, for the next thing that I, I think might really help people, and uh, I'm just sort of starting to develop that now. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Good luck with everything. Where people can find more about your, your movie or your what, what you're doing now? Is that a place uh, for you? Just, yeah, I mean, the, the website is thatsugarfilm.com. That sugar and film, then yeah. there's, uh, we've got a Facebook page, there's Twitter and Instagram, all the usual kind of avenues. And it's real. I mean, the Facebook page is great. People really get on there and have good discussions, and it's become a bit of a meeting place for people to share their thoughts and share their recipes and, um, you know, feel like a community and, and discuss these topics. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really seeing the, the, what social media can do. It's the, it's the benefits of when it's used in the right way. It can be a really fantastic tool for sharing information. Cool. Thank you so much, Damon. Your film is awesome, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, good on Appreciate you. Appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we're all in it together, so it's, I'm really grateful that you're spreading the message too. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Go to www.brazilianhealthnut.com for much more information about how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Hasta luego.